Roads FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Michael Yan and the Invasion of the United States of America. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and today is Wednesday, May 10th in the year 2023. Tomorrow marks the day that Title 42 falls, and in so doing, there's about 750,000 to a million immigrants that are now currently at the border. Now, as reported earlier by Michael Yan, the Border Patrol has already thrown up the white flag. In fact, down at the Rio Grande Valley, which is their McAllen station, they stated this morning that starting this morning at RGV, which is Rio Grande Valley, McAllen station, all Border Patrol details are canceled. 80% of each shift must report to the staging area in McAllen. This leaves only five agents on each shift to patrol 50 miles of the river. Effectively, we just surrendered at the border. This is treason and it's un-American. And you're going to hear all sorts of explanations. The press is going to try to give you the sympathy garbage about these poor, miserable people. These people are being trafficked up here. They're being driven up here. They are not seeking asylum. They are trying to get into this country to get a free check because that's what they're being promised by our United Nations, by our State Department, which is a front for the CIA, and the DHS. All of this is happening. And Mallorca is doing everything he can to instigate an invasion of the United States. Many of the people that are currently at the border aren't even Latino. They're Arabs. So I guess I guess in their poor impoverished state they put they lashed together a bunch of fifty gallon drums and rode with a stick from Africa to Venezuela or something. That's what we're supposed to believe. I think you know better than that. We have a crisis down there, and they have also lifted up the detainment issue so that now those that are on the border when they come in, they're supposed to be treated as people. In other words, they're just managed to be walking across the border. Effectively, right now, other than in Texas, they have we have an open border, and this is the crisis. Patriots, this does get serious. It is a time that you need to take very seriously the sorts of things in your life that they are trying to go after. One of those is your food. Patriots, with all the danger out there in today's world, many Americans are concerned about the very real possibility of prolonged food shortages. That's why I urge everyone to secure a supply of long-term emergency food while you still can. And I highly recommend you choose My Patriot Supply as your supplier. They're the nation's largest preparedness company. And right now, they're offering a special deal when you buy their three-month emergency food kit, which lasts up to 25 years in storage. With each kit you order, you'll receive a bonus package of crucial survival gear worth over $200 for free. The three-month emergency food kit guarantees your family will have peace of mind during a disaster, and the survival gear will help you be even more prepared. The kit includes breakfast, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks with over 2,000 calories a day. Best of all, this food is tasty. 
Your whole family will love it. To get your emergency food and your free survival gear worth over $200, go to preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. Patriots, there's no time to waste. Right now, this is a critical time in America, and we are truly at a crucible moment. We have people more interested in Tucker Carlson's next $20 million contract and more concerned about President Trump being accused of sexual assault or something or other. Or in, I think it's really more like sexual innuendo that caused somebody to have their feelings hurt. We have a left that's out of control. The leftism, the liberalism of this nation is a disease. And like I said, I, as harsh as this sounds, the only silver lining in all of that is at least they all took the vax. And I, and at least they would be, they would have said, I would say that's good unless they're controlled to be the zombie apocalypse, which we think they, we might hate be having. But anymore, I'm believing that the zombie apocalypse is already here. All you have to do is look at the way these people act. Now, I talked to Ted Nugent today, and there is, in the midst of all of this, this craziness just keeps spilling over. There is a new effort right now to literally cleanse white-tailed deer. So there is a disease that they say that they've discovered that they can't verify unless they kill the animal that they're now using as an excuse to go into private farms in Texas that are raising white-tailed deer and forcing the landowners to kill their entire herds. All of this is war on food. War on fuel, war on food, war on money. These are the critical issues in which we face, and they're constantly cycling through. And so you have to be very cognizant of the fact that this war is spilling over, and the whole idea here is to flood now the country with criminal gangs. We have gangs in the cities. We have gangs that are pivoted all throughout the counties, in particular up the West Coast. But what goes on on the West Coast ultimately will affect the entire nation. And Texas has got the same issue. And for those of you that are going to, that might be saying, well, President Trump said we're going to round them all up and send them home. Once these people go to ground, you're not going to find them easily. And they're going to be cancer cells. And the problem is, I don't have a problem with immigration to this country. What I do have a problem with is people that come here for a free handout. The Obama phone, the, the free health care, all this garbage that they're promised that Americans don't get. Because this is a replacement strategy. Don't kid yourself. And it's very real. One of those things as well that you have to be very aware of is in this whole fight is they are literally going after your money. And so in this time, we have to build some stability within our homes, emergency food, gold and silver, and you need to be well armed. Patriots, President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home, quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. End quote. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times. Gold. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. Just text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the whole process. The folks at Birch Gold are amazing. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? 
Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text BARDS to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold. Again, text BARDS to 989898. This is one of those decisions you will never regret. Do it today. So, Patriots, the one thing we have to continue to push is truth. And this is a truth war. And tonight we have Michael Yan on, who is a truth speaker. And just a quick background. Michael Yan was in Afghanistan when he began to do his citizen journalism when I started there as well. I was actually down in RC South, which is Regional Command South. That was Kandahar, Zabal Province, and Helmand Province. And Michael Yan was up in uh, Jabad, which is over towards the east. And he was there for quite a period of time. We overlapped, but we've never met. Thanks to... Lieutenant Colonel retired Pete Chambers, he linked us up. So this is actually the first time you're going to hear tonight that Michael and I have spoken. I have a great deal of respect for his work. He has been a truth teller from the beginning. He speaks direct, he's harsh, and he's he doesn't cut any punches. He's a former 10th Group Special Forces guy, and he's traveled the world to see what problems we're really dealing with. Tonight you're going to get a snapshot of not just the local problem, meaning down at the Texas border, but he's going to paint a really good picture for you to understand the magnitude of how this deep state WEF, World Economic Forum, Fourth Reich, Nazi, homosexual, pedophile, freaks, and psychopaths. Did I get it all? I think I got it all. I hope I got it all. Anyway, that they are all going to, what they're using immigration for as a weaponized system to destroy societies. So with that said, let's welcome Michael Yon. It's a realignment of friendships and whatnot, you know, just like you do in the wars. You sort out really quickly who's serious and who's not. And here we are with one of those time frames again. You know, one of the most dangerous sorts of people as we go forward, though, are going to be the cowardly people, the ones who just go along. They're going to be just as dangerous as any traitor. They're going to be cowardly men and like all these generals that are and flag officers, you know, admirals and generals who are on active duty now who did not stand up to the backs, who did not, who are not saying shit about the border. They're just doing it. Uh, they are incredibly dangerous to us. Well, Patriots, I'm really honored today to have somebody that I've crossed paths with many times, have never met face to face, but is literally one of the finest citizen journalists of war we've ever known. This is Michael Yan. Michael's work speaks for itself. He has been all over the world, and when he speaks truth, he speaks brutal truth, and I respect him immensely for it. I'm deeply honored to have him on the show today. He is down now near the border. He's talking. He's going to give us a good update on that and many more things, I'm sure. Michael, how are you? Happy to have you on the show. I'm great. I'm in, still in the country of Panama. Um, I've been down the Darien Gap again. As you know, I spend months and months down in Darien Gap, um, you know, especially since Biden was installed into office. I headed straight from the so-called uh, inauguration, which basically was a bunch of National Guard there standing around. I was in D.C. for that. You know, they sure built that, that wall fast. And I flew straight to El Paso and watched the uh, invasion begin. And then, and then I flew down to Colombia and watched the... Um, country of Colombia and watch the um, watch watch the uh, Darien Gap start to fill up from that side and then and then I came over to the Panama side where I'm at now and I've been you know places like here in Morocco and Lithuania and Greece 
and you know Ireland watching this weaponization of migration it's quite intense it's uh it's this is clearly a war invasion and uh Europe is you know unbelievably gone at this point I, I spent a lot of time in Europe I was at the elections in Netherlands in um March watching the farmers get their farmers taken get their farms taken from them and you know the you know you're very familiar Scott with information operations <laughs> you should come with me to Netherlands and look at the high industrial strength information operation going on there it would make you I guess proud on one side and you know and shudder on the other you know the deal yeah and where was that again I'm sorry Netherlands and 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 uh and uh the um the reason I go to certain, like I, I just came in from Japan to here, and and before that I was in Netherlands, and before that I was here again, and and down in the Darien Gap. Uh, but Netherlands, the the reason I'm in these very specific places, it's not random. Uh, for instance, um, in in Netherlands, the the uh, the World Economic Forum and CCP are, are working together to take a huge amount of the Dutch farmland from the farmers. The farmers own about 62% of the land in Netherlands, uh, more or less, <laughs> if, if that number's accurate. And the Netherlands happens to contain the biggest port in Europe, Rotterdam, right? And then south of Rot, it's one of the top 10 in the world as well. And then south of Rotterdam is Antwerp, which is the second largest port in Europe. So these are both in the top 10 in the world and the number one and two in Europe. And so also the, the railhead from the rail line that goes all the way from China, it goes all the way from Shanghai, you know, the Pacific side and Chengdu and all these places goes all the way, feeds over across Asia. And, and the terminus is there at Rotterdam. So think about this for a minute. When you look at the map, this, this uh, line of communication, uh, logistical line all the way across Asia ends right or begins right there at Rotterdam, right? And so what they're doing, the World Economic Forum, and they're very clear about what they're doing. This isn't hidden or conspiratorial. They just they say it. You know, if you listen, uh, they're gonna they're they're working to take that land from the farmers, and they want to build something called tri-state city. Tri-state city means three-state city. It's most of Netherlands, part of Belgium, and part of Germany, and it's this massive smart city. Now, when I say this sometimes publicly, they'll say that's conspiracy. And I'm like, well, you wrote the book. I mean, you know, you've got a website, Tri-State City. You've got the maps drawn and you're actually you've broken ground. It's you know, it's like normal when they say conspiracy, conspiracy. And then later on, everybody goes, well, everybody knew that. You know, well, you didn't 10 years ago when it was obvious. Right. And so Tri-State City is this massive smart city, which uh, they wish to uh hold 30 million people and let me tell you you see the weaponized migration in the united states is basically completed in europe it's still on ongoing uh but it's already reached a critical mass point for instance in luxembourg first time i was in luxembourg is when i was actually in special forces doing training over there when i was stationed in bad Tolz, germany but you know luxembourg was nice it was a jewel of europe now if you go to luxembourg it's about 50 percent not one five percent, about five zero percent, fifty percent new migrants. It's unbelievable. It's incredibly dangerous. Like you know, I saw probably ten or twelve fights in about ten days that I was there. Literally a fight every day. Uh, some migrant smashed the windows out on a car right out in front of my hotel, downtown Luxembourg City, jewel of Europe. People defecating on the streets. Literally African drug gangs running the street corners right in the open. I made a lot of video of this from my hotel room. I could look out my room and 
just they were like two floors below me you know i mean this is uh, this is what's happened to europe and now you see in that that's luxembourg which is as you know right next door to the netherlands and then in netherlands you see uh oh lord i mean they're they're, they're already preparing people psychologically that they may have to take uh migrants quote unquote into their homes you know like the old widow lady with the giant farmhouse you know, it's got a lot of extra space. These migrants are these uh, they're cold and they need a place to stay. Now they haven't actually. Now the Dutch government hasn't actually said that you must take people in yet, but they are psychologically preparing them to do so. And you know how this goes. You worked in the IO world, and we see the same in the United States now. We see this idea floating around now. They're floating the idea that you may need to take quote unquote migrants into your homes. Now, eventually, you see, you know how this plays out. It plays out in the future with you need to take them in. In fact, here, we'll pay you $400 a month or something to take them in, right? And eventually, it plays out the way Stalin did it in the whole Autumn War in 32 and 30, 1932 and 33, or not just those years, but especially those years. And, you know, he came and just wiped out the Kulaks, took all their farmland. I mean, physically took it by killing them, right? I keep telling all these Texas ranchers, you know, I spend a lot of time in Texas. I'm about to head back up for Title 42 drop. And, um, you know, the, these some of these Texas ranchers, uh, they see what's coming. They know what's coming and they're they're resisting. And then there's others who are like, you know, they think they're part of the big bush club or something. I'm like, they are going to kill you with a K. You're going to be dead and they're going to take your farms. That's how this goes. It doesn't matter. The older your money is, the better it's going to taste to these people that are going to take it, right? Uh, they, you, you, because this is a replacement migration strategy. This is They're open about it. Nothing's hidden. It's in your face. And and that's what's happening. Millions of people are coming across our border. That's why I'm down here in Darien Gap. I spent a lot of time down here. The Gap, the Darien Gap, for those who don't know, is – they call it the gap because Highway 1, which is outside of my window here, I can see the Panama Canal outside my window as well, by the way, because I've come up to Panama City now. The, the gap is Highway 1 goes all the way from Alaska to Tierra del Fuego. But there's, a, there's one gap between Panama and Colombia. The road ends at a, at a village called Yavitsa in, in Darien province, right? And then it doesn't pick up again for about 100 kilometers in a place called Turbo in Colombia, right? So that area with no road is called the gap, or actually as Panamanians call it, they call it the plug, the tampon, right? So they call it the plug, the Darien plug. And um, and this is the one area where, uh, for various reasons, the United States and others, have, especially Panama, have wanted to keep this plug there. Uh, but now it's become a massive uh, uh, invasion route, right? So the instantaneous rate right now is more than 400,000 a year are passing through. Actually, the, the official numbers aren't out from the Panamanian government yet. Um, and um, But I would say it's probably more like five or 600,000 based on what I'm seeing, because I'm seeing about 1,500 to 2,000 a day with my own eyes when I'm down there now. So the uh, we can see the number in the rainy season is supposed to be here, by the way. And it's, it's very late again. And usually the rainy season slows down uh, the flows of the of the uh, aliens coming through. But now, just week after week, month after month, it's just building and building and building. And like massive numbers of Chinese coming through, three to six thousand a month. And these are not these are not your average Chinese guys. You should see some of the stuff I've been publishing and 
you should really see some of the stuff I haven't been publishing. But a lot of the Chinese who are coming through, they come across, uh, some of them come across as right out as, as spies. I mean, like one guy, we call him China Ninja. We met him uh, about three weeks ago, uh, right as he came out of the uh, Darien Gap. He had what's called the official accent. As you know, there's three main Chinese intelligence agencies we need to be concerned with. One is PS, the Public Security. Those are the ones who set up these police stations around the world, right? Like in Ireland, I was at, at one of the police stations in Ireland some months ago, and I was at another one over in London, right? They, they set up these police stations in New York. You saw a couple of weeks ago, a couple of these Chinese public security guys got arrested. Those are like their FBI. So they set up these police stations in Canada. They set them up in, in Australia, in Japan, and they literally enforce Chinese Communist Party law in foreign countries, right? So that's the, the public security. That's like the FBI. And then there's the MSS, which is the Ministry of State Security. That's like the Chinese um, uh, CIA, right? CIA, right? That's the uh, MSS, Ministry of State Security. And then the other one is called the GS of the PLA. That's the general staff of the People's Liberation Army. And they're sort of like the paramilitary sorts. And they have a special language school in a place called Luyang, China, right? Now, I went to the U.S., language school in California, Defense Language Institute, but at DLI, we just learn to speak the language. We're not learning to be spies and that sort of thing. We're just learning to, you know, to, to communicate, right? But at Luyang, at their at their language institute there in China, the the, the general staff language uh, institute there, they teach them how to actually be spies. So this one guy we met a few weeks ago, and he's a young guy. We've actually discovered a lot about him since then. Uh, he's in Mexico at the moment, but he came w walking out of the Darien Gap late at night, very tired uh, and uh, itching. He, these modern guy bugs were eating him alive. They're they're very special bugs. I've been eaten up by them myself. And he was really itching all over. And uh, he was in an emotional state, hungry. And, and we talked for about an hour and a half. And, he, and I got a lot of it on recording and audio and video. And um, And he's got what they call the official accent. The official now, if you learn a language like Mandarin, let's say you're going from Mandarin to German or Mandarin to Italian or Mandarin to English or whatever, it's very difficult to a language that's very different from your own, say Mandarin to English, as opposed to say Spanish to uh, Portuguese. Yeah, but it, like Mandarin to to English, it's very difficult to learn that language without an accent if you do it after puberty. So if you want somebody to have uh, like zero accent, it's very important to try to learn that language before puberty. It's very difficult to get rid of that accent later. You, it's hard. It's hard to scrub it all out, right? And um, but so he had what's called the official accent. He clearly learned it after puberty, but his accent was very good. And you know, they basically go to this Luyang language school, and they it's total immersion. They've got you know American teachers and whatnot, and Canadian teachers and and that sort of thing. And you're, you're like watching Gilligan's Island and, you know, American sports. And, you know, you, you know, all this nuanced stuff and very textured and, you know, Hey bro, you know, exactly when to say, Hey bro. And all this crap, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and so he had that going on uh, clearly. And, and, and so, but he was leaking a little too much. He was taught, he was saying more than he should. He was saying, for instance, on April 7th and April 8th. So, just uh, a month ago, he was down in Bahamas, he said, and he bought a um, 
the things I'm telling you are checkable if you're taking notes. So he said on April 7th, April 8th, he bought a, a, um, a boat in, in Nassau, Bahamas from a Scottish guy. And he was heading to Florida with his quote unquote father. And his father was actually, he, uh, we, we saw him as well uh, about three weeks ago in the Darien Gap. Anyway, so they were heading to Florida from Bahamas, bought this boat, 5,000 bucks from a, from a Scottish man in Bahamas. That's what he said. That's what this, uh, this guy said, and uh, and then he started to head to Florida, ran out of fuel, and he was drifting. And the U.S. Coast Guard picked him up, right? So highly checkable information I'm giving you here. So he said the U.S. Coast Guard then sent him back to Bahamas. The Bahamas was de deporting him back to China, and the flight went through um, Cuba. And in Cuba, he switched his, uh, his onward flight from Cuba over to Quito, Ecuador. This is where most of the Chinese start. They start in South America. They start in Quito, Ecuador, right? It, what, it, whether they come in from Amsterdam or other parts of the world, they go to Quito. And from Quito, they get on a bus and they go to a place called Capargana, which I've done. They, I'm sorry, they go to Nicocli. And in Nicocli, that's in Colombia. And in Nicocli, Colombia, they, which I've done this, they get on a boat for about maybe an hour and a half and they go to a place called Capargana, Colombia, which I've done this. And I spent several days in Capargana, and I do not recommend you do that. It's felt very dangerous, a lot more than Afghanistan even. And uh, and then they get then then they go through the Darien Gap there from Kapurgana, and that's where I met him. He had just emerged from the Darien Gap, very tired, very hungry, very itchy, and very loquacious. And uh, and he told his story, and uh, I got his phone number, which you know I've been communicating with him. He's in Mexico now, right? And this, this these are the sorts of people that you meet constantly. Um, while you're in the Darien Gap. First of all, I just want to get a little bit of, for people to understand a little bit of your background because your your operational skills are, are pretty high. And so it's not just some guy that grabbed the camera and started running around the world. You were, you were a soft background, right? Yeah, I was in 10 Special Forces Group. And that's why I went to language school at the um, in California. And uh, actually, you know, uh, Green Beret time was great. It was one of the best times of my life. Uh, uh, I only did it for five years. And then I got out, went to school and uh, started a business in Poland. And, uh, and that was when really life got super interesting. So, so since that time, you know, I spent a lot of years in wars, uh, Iraq, a couple of years there, a couple of years in Afghanistan, Philippines, spent a year up in Nepal. I've spent more than half of my life out of the United States in about 90 countries. So more than half of my life not just my adult life, but more than half of my life has been downrange. And like right now, I'm in Panama. I grew up in Florida, though. I grew up just a Florida boy catching alligators and catching girls and, you know, went off to special forces and and uh, never looked back. That's awesome. You mapped out a pretty interesting issue, which was this kind of global snapshot of how the World Economic Forum, which a.k.a. the Fourth Reich, is literally using as one of their prime methods of destabilization, this mass strategically organized immigration and trying to break the back of societies in a replacement strategy, ultimately forcing people into the 15-minute uh, cities, which are otherwise known as prison camps. Um, when you, this sort of strategy, they're, they're strategically moving people around. Is this intended to to specifically break the West, or is it going for other countries as well? Uh, it's definitely breaking the West, but that also includes Japan. 
you know, I was just in Japan. I was on a place called Ishigaki Island, which is near uh, Taiwan. It's near Senkaku, right? And um, you know, I, was, I was talking with the mayor there and, and then up in Tokyo met with some, you know, uh, military people and intelligence guys and elected officials and that sort of thing. And the people who are awake in Japan, Japan has the same situation that we do in a lot of ways. I've, I've actually, by the way, I've actually written three books about information war that are only in Japanese. They're not even in English, right? So I, I work with the Japanese quite a lot because I see Japan as our most important partner. Sorry, Great Britain, but it's Japan. You know what I mean? J UK is important, but uh, on the scale of things, Japan is is absolutely vital. And, uh, and, and, and the UK is just so fractured. You know, it's just a, more of a IO itself these days. And yeah, but the, the point is, is that Ishigaki Island near Taiwan, they're very concerned. For instance, any interruption with Taiwan would end up with a huge amount of fishing boats taking Taiwanese over to Ishigaki, which is actually um, in, uh, in it, 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 you know, it's, it's an island of Japan. It'd be like coming into the Keys, right? It's in the Okinawa prefecture, right? It'd be like the state of Florida, right? The Florida Keys. So Ishigaki is in Okinawa prefecture, which would, again, be like the Florida Keys for Florida, right? You're in Japan at that point. And so um, and they're very worried that many of the people coming up, of course, Taiwan and, and Japan have very good relations, super tight relations. I, I mean, they basically love each other. They're probably making babies right now. You know what I mean? For some reason, Taiwanese and Japanese just really get along great. And um, but they also are cognizant that, you know, the mainlanders are have been inserting people into Okinawa, into uh, Taiwan for many years, right? And by the way, I spent about a year running around uh, uh, China. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with China. As, you know, I've been up to Tibet and just all over the place. I got kicked out of Hong Kong, actually, in 2020. I was there for the fighting for seven months between 2019 and 2020. If you web search my name, Michael Yan in Hong Kong, you'll see the police taking me to the airport and closing the door in the airplane. Right. See, so, yeah. and so they finally kicked me out. And um, so, I mean, I, I've really seen China from, you know, Beijing to Shanghai to Chengdu and just all over the place, you know, Xi'an, just many, many different places and up in Tibet, that sort of thing. And, and so I'm kind of familiar with their mindset insofar as the, the, you know, the, the, the Hong Kongers call them Chai Nazis, Chai Nazis. What is Nazism, right? The, this term that gets thrown around a lot. And sometimes it actually should be used. And then the term, if you ask the Hong Kongers, what's a Chai Nazi, right? And they'll say, well, not fascism is, you know, when fascism is when, uh, you know, private enterprise and government become so commingled that they're indistinguishable, like salt water, right? So these, Seawater, salt water, it's all it's just, it's just this big blend, right? And that's fascism. And see, we clearly have that to a large degree in the United States now and all over Europe, right? Now, Nazism took fascism and added a huge component of racism to it, right? So that's where you got Nazism. You just took fascism and you boosted it with racism, right? That's what the Han Chinese do in the Chinese Communist Party. They are ultra racist. I've never seen people more racist. And they're super overt about it. So this is interesting. Where I'm going to is very important with this. The, the Hong Kongers call them Chai Nazis. If you look on my Twitter and the banner on the top, it says Chai Nazis. That's a photo I took in Hong Kong 
the, the Hong Kongers, uh, Hong Kongers, of course, are Cantonese speakers. They have a c- completely different culture. They even look different to me. You know, I've spent so long in Asia all over the place. They, you know, I can tell them apart, actually. And so, uh, and they can tell each other apart. And the Hong Kongers, the Cantonese-speaking Hong Kongers, and the mainland Han Chinese, they don't like each other, right, at all. And uh, But what I'm getting to with this is the World Economic Forum and the Chinese Communist Party, they have a lot of short-term and medium-term goals that uh, that overlap on the Venn diagram. For instance, destabilizing Europe, destabilizing Japan, and destroying the United States, Canada, that sort of thing, and taking over Central America. They they have these things in common. So the Chinese Communist Party and the World Economic Forum they cooperate extremely closely. For instance, you know you have the annual meetings in Davos, uh, you know which uh, you, you might have seen the Japanese journalist Masako Ganaha, who is really you should have her on. She's unbelievable. Masako has been down here in Daring Gap with us, by the way. She's awesome. But she tracked down uh, Klaus Schwab a few months ago in uh, in uh, Davos and was pestering him. It was epic. It went viral. But but you see, Chinese Communist Party also has an annual meeting that's not in Davos. It's in China, right? A lot of people don't realize that you know there's the annual meeting in Davos. There's another one in China, right? And it's again, it's not hidden. It's right on their website. It's none of this is conspiratorial hidden. It's right in your face, right? And so, intermediate goals are the same: destabilize Europe. Now, Chinese Communist Party, they have a vested interest, for instance, in watching Netherlands collapse, or you know, the 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 Dutch government led by Prime Minister Mark Rutte. He's totally captured. The Dutch government's captured. Uh, just like Canada is, you can see Klaus Schwab going, where do you find such a prime minister as Mark Rutte, you know, with his Nazi accent, you know, in, in, you know, uh, uh, praising Mark Rutte in Netherlands. Now, Chinese Communist Party, CCP wants Netherlands. That's the terminus of the railhead of the railway that goes all the way across Asia and, in you know, all the way to the Pacific Ocean at China. Right. It ends right there at Rotterdam Harbor. One of the biggest harbors in the world, the biggest in Europe, and just south of that is Antwerp. So that Chinese Communist Party wants that. So does the World Economic Forum. So they've got these things in common, destabilize Europe. Now, this is where they differ on the end state. On the end state, China is very clear that they want the world to be Han Chinese. And that means Hong Kongers, you're out. And I mean really out, like dead, right? And the same with Tibetans, of course. The Han Chinese, man. They do genocide like a farmer weeds the the the, the you know the, the field, right? I mean, look what they're doing in Xinjiang to the Uyghurs. Look like what they do to the Falun Gong. You know, the Tibetans, of course, in Tibet, Mongolians. I mean, they they just do it, right? The 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 CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, the Han Chinese, they go full up China, right? So this is where they will differ in the end. And this is where it seemed like, you know, I was I was on the show with uh, Alex Jones the other day. He called me up. We were talking about this stuff and we were talking about Obama. Obama, uh, Alex uh, mentioned, he's, the light seems to have come on in Obama's head uh, some years ago when he realized that the Chinese Communist Party has no place for people like Obama on the, on the Chinese Communist Party arc. You will be terminated, right? Ultimately, people like Obama are also useful idiots. Now, Obama, in his arrogance and semi-intellectualism, uh, seems to think he's at the top of the heap. Nope, he'll be terminated, right? The Chinese Communist Party will terminate Bill Gates and Soros and that whole crowd, right? At the end of the day, they're going to fight each other. The World Economic Forum and the Chinese Communist Party 
are clearly going to fight at the end of the day. You know, if you if you rewind the tapes to the 1930s and that sort of thing, you know, the, the with FDR and, and his big information campaign, like, you know, the Japanese want to take over the world, you know, the Japanese. You know, think about that. At the time, they had a population of about, what, 70 million and probably like 20 of them spoke English. The Japanese were never going to take over the world, period. That's not even their personality. They were taking over some some uh, some local areas and, and literally actually in self-defense. But they were not uh, they were that could go down a rabbit hole, but let's not go there for now. But but the uh, but the, the Japanese were never in a position to take over the world. They never it's not even their personality. They're too introverted. Right. Uh, and they never had the numbers. The Chinese Communist Party. That's a different story. They're highly aggressive. They are. Uh, they've got the numbers uh, they've got. Now they've got the technology, for instance. They're working on, I just put something up by Dr. Uh, Yan. Uh, she's a Chinese virologist. I just put something up from her this morning. Uh, she sent me this morning um, about how the Chinese have been weaponizing mosquitoes with dengue and, and drones and whatnot and, and delivery systems, right? She and I have been talking about this recently because there's a huge dengue outbreak and malaria outbreak here in Darien in Panama, right? There's a huge malaria outbreak. There's a lot of mosquito-borne illnesses uh, that are really uh, just exploding here. And so we've been talking about that with, uh, you know, Dr. Lawrence Sellen and others. He's a biological warfare expert. He's a friend of mine as well. He lives in Finland. He's a former Special Forces guy, actually. And then he became a medical doctor and a biological warfare uh, expert. We've been talking about this quite a lot. You see the Chinese are working on technology that can – be used to target specific uh, either ethnic groups or geographical areas. And, uh, you know, and, and, and they can do soft genocide, let's say under genocides that don't include death camps, let's say, right? Genocides that include, for instance, what happened in Hong Kong. What happened in Hong Kong uh, uh, was a soft genocide. It's still unfolding where they were bringing in the Han Chinese, the Chinese Communist Party were bringing in about 100 to 150 migrants uh, per day for years on end until they took over the schools, took over the bureaucracy, started winning the elections or stealing the elections or doing something with the elections. I was there for a couple of them. And uh, it was similar to the United States. So they just did a, a kind of a soft takeover until they did a, a pretty hard takeover there in 2019 and 20. And, uh, and now it's complete. They've taken the Chinese Communist Party is taking Hong Kong and they've done it with most people not even noticing. Right. So that's sort of a soft genocide right now. They've got the, they've got the, you know, the, 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 the students in, in Hong Kong, uh, they're, they're not allowing them to study Cantonese the way they used to. They're getting the, the elite students to go over to mainland China to study Mandarin and to study that, you know, the history, the, 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 uh, the ascribed, you know, the prescribed history, uh, the same here in, 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 uh, Panama, I met members of the government here a couple of weeks ago. And I told him, you got a Confucius Institute right down the road. You know, the Confucius Institute, the University of Panama. I've been attacking Confucius Institute for since 2014. Confucius Institute is is a is a is a is a spy recruitment tool. Uh, it's an intelligence tool that's in universities all over the United States and Europe, like you know, all the big universities. Chinese Communist Party will come in. And they say, uh, here, we'll give you, you know, 100,000 or 500,000 a year or whatever. We'll put in, um, you know, this classrooms and we'll bring our own teachers. You should see the teachers they have here at the Confucius Institute in Panama City. Pretty young, 
20-something-year-old Mandarin teachers, very pretty Chinese girls, right? This is my stuff. They call it mice, right? Mice. When you're when you're when you're when you're recruiting uh, spies, uh, you know, intelligence operators or counterintelligence, they use the mice, right? Mice, mousetrap. Mice is money, ideology, coercion, and ego, right? Money, ideology, coercion, and ego. Mice, right? And so what they do is they they set up these Confucius Institutes and these places around the world. They target the the the, the children of the elite. And they get them into these classes like, yeah, it's time to learn uh, Mandarin from these really cute Chinese girls. And then the really special students get scholarship offers to go study in China. Mice, here goes the mousetrap. So they do this with Germans. They do it with Americans and Canadians and all over the world. These Confucius Institutes are in Australia. They do it everywhere, right? Here in Panama. And they get them over to China and they start to really pick through and and, and figure out who they want to make a long term there's a great uh fbi counter uh counterintelligence film called game of pawns look up game of pawns and it's um you can see it on youtube it's a fbi counterintelligence film it, it's about 20 or 30 minutes and it shows this american student and he, it's a true story according to fbi and actually they have the american on there when he's in prison and uh and, and they get him over to china you know, start to recruit him. He takes the test for a uh, state department. He fails it. Uh, he's starting to, he's starting to take money from him while he's in China. You know, he's studying languages. They're recruiting him. And, you know, when he fails the state department test, they encourage him to take the test for the central intelligence agency, which he does. And he passes it. And then as he's taking the polygraph, he kind of cracks anyway, he gets arrested and he goes to prison. It's a true story. Right. And so this is how this mice things works. You know, they get you on the, Again, money, ideology, coercion, ego, right? They had him on, at least on money, they had paid him uh, at least $30,000 at one point as an example. And uh, and eventually they get you on coercion. They're going to get you on every sort of video and audio and and uh, maybe, you know, got you doing drugs or doing things that you don't want anybody to know, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a huge industrial process. It's a lot of moving parts on this. Let's go down to the Darien Gap. Let's talk about what we're facing here. Here's my one of my things. We have heard a great deal over the last couple of years of these in imminent huge invasions, which I think personally are part of their PSYOP, which they raise the expectations and then nothing happens and raise the expectations and then nothing happens. This seems different this time. And that's what I want you to dig into. Yeah, the um, Darien Gap. Now, this is one of the primary the thing, the reason I come to Darien Gap so much is because if you look at the map and you look at that area between Colombia and Panama, this is the one way where the world can funnel through to the United States, right? And Lara Logan, a couple of two or three years ago, we were talking, you know, Lara, and uh, in fact, she just sent me a message a couple of minutes ago. She's, uh, she, you know, we were talking on the phone a couple of years ago and she's like, uh, they're planning to, you know, how Lara gets all, fired up, you know, the the World Economic Forum plans to cause the migration of 1.2 billion people with a B, 1.2 billion people. And they say this, right? And so I call it hop, human osmotic pressure, the hop, the human osmotic pressure is the push and pull of migration, right? Hop, human osmotic pressure. And they've been creating these pressures with food issues, with energy issues, economic collapse. So first you create the human osmotic pressure. There's huge uh, economic, there's huge uh, information campaigns going on 
showing I've, I've published some of these videos for instance in in mandarin showing chinese how to get to um keto ecuador and how to get up you know on the buses and get to the Darien gap and it shows you know the red cross hands out maps literally i've got one here somewhere uh the uh they hand them out at the camps it gives you very detailed information on how to get to the united states with 87 different numbers and email addresses and twitter accounts and all sorts of stuff right and uh, WhatsApp, the whole works. I mean, it's completely facilitated, right? So first, you know, create the first, the, the idea that borders don't exist, right? Imagine all the people, that sort of stuff, right? You know, it's so over a period of, gen this has happened over a period of generations. This is not something that just popped up last week, right? Uh, this is the stuff, this is like Alex Jones territory, when when people really thought he was straight up. I, I said that to, to Alex Jones the other day. For years, I, I didn't want to have anything to do with him. And then as time went on, I'm like, that guy's not crazy. He just, he sounds a little crazy. He actually just sees stuff before other people see it. And he says it in a way that can sound crazy, but he's not wrong, right? He's actually uh, very smart on his uh his ideas of these weaponized migrations and uh and and how the um replacement strategy is unfolding and these sorts of things and and the vaccines he saw all that stuff years in advance right he saw it way back when and uh so the 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 the, the Darien gap is like a highway to the United States from the world the rest of the world about people from about 140 countries they they go to places like Suriname for instance the Haitians and the Cubans can go to Suriname first Actually, the, the Cubans are now kind of bypassing Central uh, South America, and they're going straight to Nicaragua and Mexico first. But they, they uh, a year and a half ago or so, the Cubans would go to Suriname, where they could show up with no visa, and the Haitians would go there, and then they would, you know, get up to Colombia, and they could come through. We so we have people from all over Africa, Asia, Afghans, Pakistanis, uh, you wouldn't believe it, and Chinese, all coming through South America different entry points, Brazil, Chile, Suriname, Ecuador, and then they come through Colombia, then they go through the Darien Gap, and then I intercept them, and then I intercept them again in other places like Mexico and Texas, right? And um, and then, you know, other people on my team are constantly, you know, interacting with them and, you know, watching the flows. And, uh, and, and likewise, the same, I've done the same over in Africa, for instance, in Morocco, you see, I've been over in Morocco watching the flows over to Spain. There's actually two Spanish cities in Africa called Ceuta and Melilla, the two cities that are EU cities that are in Morocco, right? They're in Africa. So if you get into those cities, you are now in the EU, right? So the, the same sort of tactic is used everywhere, right? To erode the borders, whether it's, you know, the Turks pushing people over into Greece, uh, which I've been on that border, Lithuania, same there. Uh, Poland, of course, is not actually people. You know, harp on Poland. I lived on in Poland for two years, by the way. People attack Poland by saying, "Ah, oh, they're not allowing any migrants in," which is complete nonsense. Poland has massive numbers of Ukrainian uh, Ukrainians there. Uh, they just don't let in a lot of people from the middle. They don't let anybody in from the Middle East or whatever. You can see the. What's that Polish member of parliament? Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Good Lord. I've, I've messaged with him a few times. He's like, let me tell you how many uh, terrorist attacks we've had in Poland. Zero. He's like, I love my zero. You know, he'll always say zero. And um, I need to go see that guy. 
But, you know, they don't, you know, the thing about Poland is they will still defend their territory as Polish people. They have an, an identity as Polish people, which is still pretty strong. They're under information attack and that sort of thing, but it's still still quite strong. So Poland, I, I think, at least in the short term, is a, a problem that Poland has is geography. So it's always getting crushed by, you know, invaders coming and going, but separate story. But that's the same thing here with Panama and the Darien Gap. Panama itself is sort of in the position of Poland at this point, insofar as it happens to be a causeway for the world to come through Panama and get to the United States. Now, members of the uh, of the uh, Panamanian government told me recently in a, in a meeting that 11% of the people in Panama now are new Venezuelans. I said, hold on, what did you just say? And she said, uh, 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 11%. So I said, hold on, let me make sure we got this right. I know your English is very good, but did you just say 1%, 11% of the people in Panama now are Venezuelans? New Venezuelans is what you said, right? She's like, yes, these are because of the migration up to the United States. Many of the Venezuelans, as you know, Venezuela has collapsed. They were in Colombia. A huge amount of Venezuelans were in Colombia. I remember seeing them. They were all over the streets in places like Cartagena. You know, there were massive amounts of Venezuelans in Colombia. But now Colombia is also collapsing. So now we see tons of Colombians and and uh, and um, and Venezuelans coming through the Darien Gap, and and a lot of them are staying here, right? And um, and uh, I see a helicopter landing in front of me. I, I'm I, it's it's flying a. Uh, over to Albrook Airfield, where an airplane actually crashed out here about a week ago on the road out my window. I was actually down in the Darien Gap. It's a, it's one of those airplanes I um, I charter um, to go to Darien Gap, and everybody's okay. They crashed in the road. You know, somebody was making video on the back seat, sort of thing, screaming. But everybody got out okay. <laughs> Unbelievable. But anyway, this place is wild. But uh, the um, uh, my my alarm's going off for a. It's okay. Everything's good. I turned it off. So the. Uh, uh, the, the bottom line is is um, the Darien Gap is a four-lane highway to the United States, and it's also destabilizing Panama, right? Uh, and China obviously wants Panama. 5% of world trade goes right through that canal that's out my window right now. 5% right there is huge, right? And, and then it's a strategically, it's close to the United States. Now, keep in mind, countries like Guatemala, which is north of here actually costa rica is the next country but keep going guatemala of course borders mexico uh a lot of those villages are emptied out i mean they're gone because the guatemalans are in are in uh are, are actually in the united states now right and so it, it, it it's a big deal right i mean this is destabilizing all these countries here uh china is making a go for places like el salvador of course making a go at china I'm sorry, it's making it a go at Mexico. Uh, and we see, uh, I mean, just bit by bit, slowly encroaching, right? Uh, and and all over the United States. Now we see the three presidents, Bush, Obama, and Clinton, um, about two weeks ago, talking about uh, flying aliens directly from Colombia and directly from Guatemala into the United States. They're already doing this, by the way. It's just on a small scale. And yesterday, Mayorkas was down in Texas talking about how we're closing the Darien Gap bullshit. I'm here, man. I just left the Darien Gap. 
the flows and I have I know Indian Imbra Indians and Kuna Indians out in all the key villages. I know Cinefront, which is like their sort of like the army. Uh very professional, by the way. I know people all I've got this place stitched up. You can't come through Panama without me knowing about it, right? And <laughs> the bottom line is that's a lie that Mayorkas says that we're closing down the Darien Gap. Now, if it ends up being truthful one month from now, I don't know. But at this moment, it's an ab- overt lie that he just told in Texas yesterday. The flows are increasing. They're not decreasing. Now, I do believe that he told the U.S. Uh, embassy here that something has to be done in about 90 days. He said that about a week ago, right? Some are actually, I think it, that that instruction came from him. But from but the U.S. Embassy definitely had instruction that they have to do something. There's a lot of disease coming up through here, by the way. And, and this is a known thing. This is, again, malaria outbreak here is epic at this point. And it's a strain from Africa. And there's a and also the uh, it's funny. I, I just had dinner recently with a friend of mine. His name is Francisco Agape. He's the mayor of twenty nine. Uh, Wunan and in uh, Embra Indian villages right down in Darien and I know him well I've been out to probably 20 of the villages right with him and and um and uh he said you know the malaria outbreak he said before the migration there's always been migration but it's just never been like dominating the you know the gap he said we had maybe one or two malaria cases per year and when the Indians like Embra, if somebody would get malaria we would all talk about it like you know so-and-so got malaria right but now uh, there's so much malaria that it's uh, like his wife got it, right? And, um, and, and waterborne illnesses, killing the children, uh, dengue, which the Chinese are known to have weaponized dengue and working on drone technology to drop. Look, look on my Twitter and look on the, on, the, on the video that I put up from Dr. Yan, the, the Chinese virologist. I just put it up, you know, hours ago. And uh, look, you should see the video on my Twitter now. So, I mean, and, and not only that, Tuberculosis, tuberculosis, tuberculosis. A lot of people overlook tuberculosis. When you look at mankind's worst diseases, uh, up there with black death, smallpox, yellow fever, really up there is tuberculosis. You look at polio, polio is like a, a, a pest compared to tuberculosis. Polio is like a nothing compared to tuberculosis, right? You look at COVID, that's like, what is what is that? Spanish flu is nothing compared to tuberculosis. If you look at old history books, which I'm constantly reading, you'll you'll hear so many references to consumption, right? Consumption is tuberculosis. You'll be reading passages like, you know, the the war was, you know, going in this direction, and then the the you know the the king got consumption or something. You know what I mean? The general, you know, was knocked down by consumption. Uh, these sorts, of, you know, two of President Nixon's brothers died of tuberculosis. Tuberculosis is epic. And now there's something called MDR-TB, which is multi-drug resistant tuberculosis, right? It's all over the United States already. Red zones for this include Afghanistan, various parts of Africa, Pakistan as well, right next to Afghanistan. The people were places where people are flooding in without any quarantine, without any without any checks whatsoever and being put all over the United States and lice, lice, lice. Typhus is one of the epic diseases, epidemic typhus, right? Epidemic typhus. I suggest everybody read at least one book on typhus. You can see uh, typhus is spread. Typhus has mostly been wiped out because we know what spreads it. 
and we know how to treat it. It's very readily treatable with antibiotics and it's epidemic typhus. There's different types of typhus, of marine typhus and scrub typhus. But the one we need to be mostly concerned about is epidemic typhus, you know, like the the the, the black ages disease, <laughs> not just then, but I mean, mostly it goes with all Every famine that you study, there's always typhus. There's always typhus in wars as well. That's why they call it war fever. They call it famine fever. They call it hospital fever. They call typhus um, uh, ship fever and naval fever, camp fever. It's got all these names. You have typhus outbreaks in these homeless camps in California, right? Right now, look up typhus, homeless camps, California, right? But it's not epidemic because the health departments are still functioning more or less. Now, you see this one website called something like, uh, what's the name of it? American Pediatrics Association, something like that. They are now uh, advising that students should not be sent home from school if they're found with lice. That is absolutely insane. There is more and more lice popping up around the United States. This is setting conditions. It's all about conditions, not sparks, right? Conditions are being set for a future epidemic typhus outbreak on a massive scale. Now, where do we get these antibiotics, China? Right. And that's actually not a very uh, good place to put your, you know, to, to put your, your trust. Right. Uh, but the epidemic typhus, if you look, by the way, the name cooties, you know, cooties, when you play cooties, when you're a kid, you're taught, you know, oh, don't touch them. They've got cooties. Cooties is an old English word for lice. Right. So they're teaching you how to avoid typhus. Right. <laughs> actually, in Netherlands, a curse word like the F word for, for, uh, for Dutch people is typhus. They'll be like, ah, typhus, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's, so we see these things like the Embra Indians and others, they have a lot of lice down there. Uh, and, and, uh, and these people are getting up on these buses and they're going all over the United States. I'm telling you, these diseases are going to be epic. I mean, this is all I do. I'm a war correspondent. I study these diseases. I study, Famine. I study war year after year after year and country after country. You're going to see typhus outbreaks. You're going to see uh, kids coming home with lice. And then if you don't if you don't take care of those lice lickety split, your whole family will have lice. It, this is a big deal. Right. Uh, and, and these are things that we have had under control for years because we've had health departments that work. We've had teachers keeping an eye out for kids who are, you know, have lice and so that, you know, then they send them home and then they send the health department home and they get the house cleaned up. It, 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 the lice are like are like weeds. You know, you can keep them knocked back if you stay on top of them and you do the smart things. But now we've got. We've got the you know, what's what's this called? The American Pediatric Association, I think. Just look up something, you know, Pediatric Association and lice and you'll find the website, you know, within 10 seconds. and You'll see where they're recommending not sending home children with lice <laughs> you just can't make up this stuff unless you want to destroy the united states and do a massive global depopulation right so when you're looking at this in looming threat and you kind of want to channel this down now what do you see as the steps really that have to be done to and I'll just use the terms to save America because this flood that's coming in is going to be one of the most destabilizing effects we've ever seen. Oh, huge, huge. Uh, and huge depopulation. You know, I've been, you know, I took Jordan Peterson out, out to a farm over in um, Netherlands and I, and I gave him a, a, a detailed briefing over a period of a couple of days. 
about the food issues and the nitrogenous fertilizer issues, right? Uh, for instance, um, nitrogenous fertilizers are obviously a big, big deal. And now we have a shortage. Now, I, I could talk for hours about this issue, but let's just get down to the gist of it. There will be food shortages. There will be food shortages. Not there may be. There will definitely be food shortages, right? And this is going to build even higher human osmotic pressure, this hop that's going to be pushing mass migrations, right? And these migrations are now facilitated more and more. These almost four-lane highways, these buses, 30 to 40 buses per day, big luxury buses. Look on my Twitter. Look at the videos I've been putting up. Look what's pinned to the top of my Twitter right now, Michael Yon on my Twitter, right? And you see those buses, 30 or 40 buses per day are coming out of Darien Gap now. You know, I remember back when it was 10 and we were like 10 buses a day. Now it's 30 or 40, depending on how many come through that day. And those numbers are increasing. They're getting more buses, right? And that's just the Darien Gap. That doesn't include the Canadian flows. It doesn't include people washing up on our beaches in Florida. It doesn't include people that are coming in with visas to lax, you know, in Los Angeles airport or, or New York or, or Atlanta or whatever, Miami. It doesn't include any of those flows that are just coming through or just walking across the border and again, Canada, right? And, and again, this doesn't include Europe as well. Europe is, look, look what's happening in France right now. You know, it's, it's all across Europe. Europe has cancer. Uh, it's 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 interesting as a war correspondent who's just spent years in so many wars and conflicts one of the things at, at some point you get to the point where you can almost smell cancer when you walk in like just imagine being an oncologist for 30 years and you can just walk into a, a hospital room and go Yep, I don't need any tests. This one has cancer. You know what I mean? I've gotten to that point, right? You, you reach a certain level. And one of the things I found about conflicts, by the way, is they're like mammals, let's say. All mammals, let's say a mouse versus a whale, right? A mouse and a whale, those are really, really different, aren't they, right? We could talk for a month about how different they are, but a mouse and an elephant are also very, very similar, right? A, a mouse and an elephant, a mouse and a whale, they're they're very similar. They both have hearts. They both have nervous systems. They both, you know, a lot of the same chemical processes and that sort of thing. And, uh, and, and the morphology actually is quite similar in a lot of ways, right? It's the same with conflicts. When I walk into a different conflict, and it's, it's, it's it, you know, it's like being, a, again, like a pilot who's flown so many different airplanes. You you basically know how this thing works. You know what I mean? And and they're all, and it's the same with these conflicts. It's the same with these migration issues. It's the same uh, everywhere I go, for instance, over in Netherlands uh, in, in, um, in March, they had an election. I was there for the election and this party won the elections. It's called the BBB party, right? They call it the Borden Burger Beweging, which in Dutch language means that the farmer, sorry for my pronunciation, the Borden Burger Beweging, which means farmer citizens movement, right? Now, as somebody who's written books on information war, unfortunately, again, they're only in Japanese, uh, but I've studied information war for years, as have you, as have you, not just studying it, but executing it. You know it when you see it, right? You know information war when you see it because you've just been doing it for years. So I'm over in Netherlands and I'm there for the election. It's very important because I know that the Dutch farmland is being taken to make tri-state city, to take control of Rotterdam, 
and uh, Antwerp harbors, right? So I, I'm looking at this big picture. That's why I'm there. But the BBB party, which was an obvious wolf in wolf's clothing, it's, the wolf doesn't even bother dressing up as a sheep anymore, right? <laughs> it's like <laughs> and I'm telling the farmers who ended up, they, 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 they just brought BBB and they just got 15 seats. They just swept the elections. Uh, they just got enormous power in the Dutch government. And they were an obvious wolf dressed as a wolf, right? And and now it's only been a month. Well, that was March 15th was the election. So whatever the date today is. And about uh, about two weeks ago, they showed their face. They're, they're voting in ways that uh, they're stealing the farms. The Dutch are losing their farms right now. And it's like, you know, this is so obvious. It's almost embarrassing to have to say it. It's the same with this weaponized migration, you know, for those of us who actually do this full time, it's almost embarrassing to have to say that you're going to be killed. They're not just here to win your votes. They are here to kill you and take your stuff. And these people coming through Darien Gap, they are useful idiots. They will be killed in large numbers as well at the end of this. These are drones. These are future slaves, many of whom will be killed, right? That's what Stalin did with the with the Holodomor. Mao did similar. Of course, Mao was always you know following Stalin's footsteps, and uh, it, it's this old strategy. You take these weaponized migrants in, you tell them, "Hey, the kulaks. These are the ones. The reason that your egg prices are so high. The reason that you're so poor. The reason your life is so bad is because of the Jews or whatever, right?" And then you 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 make the label very bad. And then you hang that label on that other person. And then you tell your, your useful idiots like, hey, just go take their farm. Just go take their shop. Just go take their stuff. Just take it. Get rid of them and take it. They're evil. They've done all these bad things to you. They're the reason your children are sick. Take their farm. Do it. Go. Full amnesty. And that's what happens, right? That's what's happening in the United States right now. They're being spread. All of these weaponized migrants whether or not the migrants know it themselves or not, these aliens, they whether they know it or not, most of them won't realize it yet. But later on, they will be armed, right? Later on, these people that are coming in, these huddled masses, they are an army. They're going to go to war with Americans. And they're going to do it. They're already doing it in Europe. You know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable how simple this is. It's a very simple strategy and highly effective so in kind of your your closing thoughts here, where do you see the Americans in this place? I mean, we've we talked before the show about a change in tide. And do you see that as a significant shift from your optic? And what do you see coming out of that? I see a lot of people still talking trash but not doing anything. I hear, you know, yeah, if you want to see a SEAL turn into a Democrat, you know, just vote for him. He becomes a congressman. And the next thing you know, he's got a patch on his head and he's, you know, drunk and he's, you know, he's become a Democrat. You know, I mean, it's unbelievable. Right. I mean, it, it, it's, um, you know, I hear a lot of people talking trash. Oh, when the blue helmets come, that's when we'll stand up. Bullshit. Bullshit. By the time the blue helmets are there, you've, you're dead. You've lost. Right. This is no joke. This is real war. And you're in it. Right now, in losing battles every single day, the border, Title uh, 42, is going to be dropped. We can see that almost certainly on May 11th. And the border already doesn't exist for the United States for all intents and purposes. And uh, it's just going to be increasingly overwhelmed. 
And these people are being put all over the United States. You can see them. I go all over the United States when I'm not running around downrange in some, you know, Africa or someplace. Uh, I'm I'm running around all over the United States, from Oregon to Key West. Uh, you know, all, yeah, I, I'm all over the place. Washington D.C. I was there for January 6th. I, you know, I was there in Atlanta watching Antifa and fighting and all this sorts of stuff. You know, I, I was up in Portland watching the same. You know what I mean? This is what I do: is get the atmospherics. I'm telling you, you're in a state of war. And uh, it's going to get highly kinetic and very bloody, and it's going to get very diseased. There will be things like typhus. Tuberculosis is, is already there, you know, uh, and, and it, it, it's covering. I mean, this is all I watch seven days a week everywhere I go. And, and a lot – again, increasingly num increasing numbers of people see this. The last election in the United States was transparently stolen. By the way, and, and interestingly, in this latest election, I went to Maricopa County. I flew. I'd been overseas for months. I flew straight in from, I think, Netherlands, and I went over to uh, to Arizona. Uh, yeah, I went to Arizona, Maricopa County. You know, Cary Lake and all that stuff. And I watched that election get stolen right out. I was at two of the polling places, and the machines didn't work. Right? I mean, just stole another election. What did the Americans do? Complain? Ah, oh, we're going to take you to court. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go to court. You know, whatever, you know, turning point memo. I see those guys drunk at the bar. I'm tired of all these drunks that are saying that, you know, that they're, uh, you know, representing our interests while they're bringing in millions of dollars. And they're just basically at the bar talking trash. You know what I'm saying? This isn't time for that. This is a time for men to stand up. Yeah, this is a time for, you know, doing more than talking trash. The border needs to be shut. You know, people are asking, what should we do? Shut the border. Shut the border. Shut the border. That's what you need to do. Shut the border. Is that clear, right? Is there any question about what we need to do? Shut the border. And yet they're not doing it. And, and Greg Abbott, governor of Texas, people say, well, look, Greg, Greg Abbott's taking buses and he's, you know, sending migrants up to Chicago or Washington, D.C. He's on our side. No, he's not. Greg Abbott is on the World Economic Forum website. You know, I'm down there in Piedras Negras, Mexico, on the Rio Grande, on the Mexican side, and he's doing a press conference. This would have been, I don't know, maybe last year. He's doing a press conference, and he's talking about how he's shutting the border. I'm like, no, you're not. They're crossing the Rio Grande right in front of me, right now, while you're saying that you shut the border down. And the National Guard are over there helping them up the riverbank right in front of me. You know, it's like while you're talking about it, this is like Afghanistan all over again, you know, where you spent time running around quite a lot. And so did I, you know, and, and just the utter lies right in everybody's faces. Right. Shut the border. Right. Don't vote for anybody. All these, you know, all these Navy SEALs. I'm so tired of hearing their trash talk. You know, go make your calendars. Right. You know, run for office, get drunk. And turn over to the Democrat side, like that guy up in uh, Wisconsin, right? The guy, what's his, what's that Navy SEAL guy? He wanted me to take him into Darien Gap, right? Now he's a congressman. I said, no, I'm not taking you to Darien Gap. Don't call me up drunk. You know what I'm saying? Don't call me up telling me how we're going to run around and get into the Darien Gap together. I will tell you if I take you into Darien Gap, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, and now he's up there in Wisconsin. He's one big old Navy SEAL and another one, you know. And what's he doing? Rolling over like a dog getting his belly rubbed. You know, I'm tired of these guys. You know what I mean? We need serious men. 
And that doesn't mean little tridents and calendars and stuff. That means guys who will get out and do stuff, right? right? Guys that'll get out and, and help close the border, which means, uh, you know, helping the local sheriffs, helping like uh, in Kenny County down there, right? Um, uh, Sheriff Brad Coe is standing up. He's, you know, outnumbered. I go see him sometimes down in Texas, in Kenny County, Texas. There are a lot of men down there who wish to stand up and a lot of women who will stand up. But there's too many of these people that are just in it for the whatever they're in it for, but they're not they're not doing anything but watching, you're basically playing the violin at the at the death camps. Yep. That's the truth. Michael, where can people find your work? Uh I'm on Twitter. I'm on um I'm all over the place. I mean, I'm on uh, locals all the time, locals.com, locals. And, um, and uh, you know, just do a lot of interviews, of course, like with you. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And especially thank you for giving me the space to just uh, talk. Because as you can tell, I, I get very fired up about this because I'm out here watching the demise of Europe and the United States and Japan and, uh, and other places. Uh, and I'm watching this on a global scale. And I'm just, and the only reason it's happening is men are not standing up with their testosterone and stopping it. Stand up and stop it. It's straight up. Well, Michael, we always close with a prayer. And if it's okay with you, we'll do a prayer. Yes, please. We need it. Father God, we just want to thank you for Michael Leon and what he's continuing to do to elevate truth to the world. Just begin this prayer today just by praying for his safety and continued ability to communicate that truth. We need more of this. And Father, we pray that the words that he puts out here will inspire the strength of the men to stand up, to give them spine, to start being the mighty warriors in Christ, to start doing the right thing, to understanding that we are now at a point where we have to get on the wall and start holding the line in a real way. These are difficult times, Father, and we're blessed to have people like Michael that can continue to push the truth out, to continue to take the risks to bring the truth to the people. We just pray that those words continue to resonate deeply as we work towards a greater awakening and a greater relationship in you. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen from, from Panama as well. Well, brother, I really appreciate having you on. We'll have you back on as we get going here. Um, you're going to be at the Darien Gap on uh, the 11th. Is that right? Is that when the whole thing falls down? Is that when, what that is? Um, I'll probably be back in Texas in maybe 48 hours, uh, and then um, I'll be straight back down on the border. I've got some meetings to go to uh, with you know basically the same sort of people we are, sharing information, and I'm going – Straight to the border to watch the invasion and to to continue to get it out. If you want to talk about it, uh, when I get there, I'd love to talk with you again. Yep. Yeah. That, I think that'd be a good update next week. I'll give you. A, I'll hit you up and we'll get your update on what's going on and get some good eyes down there and seeing how bad this is going to be. Because I, from what I'm hearing, this is going to be something a whole new level. It is. We have to stop this. You know, uh, very quickly. All right, brother. Uh, you know how to reach me. I do, man. Bless you, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks for being on the show. God bless you. All right. God bless. On Patriot set was Michael Yawn. And uh, he's he cuts straight. That's what I like about him. He doesn't pull any punches. This is bad. He's not going to sugarcoat it for you. And if for anybody out there that is a little tensed by this story tonight, it's real. He's there. And, I, and he's talking the type of things I can relate to because when you're sitting there on the ground watching stuff happen and you're 
looking back and nobody's doing anything except peeling their banana and twiddling their fingers. This is, it's unbelievably frustrating. For those in Texas, a little word, as goes Texas, as goes the nation. You let Texas fall. You are the line of defense that makes the difference. And unfortunately, we've got way too many people right now that are just too complacent and think nothing's going to happen. Too distracted by Tucker Carlson's new expanse onto Twitter, Donald Trump's accusation of being savage to a some liberal chick that he doesn't even know, too concerned about Hunter Biden's laptop and the do-nothing Congress, and not enough concern that not anybody in our political class is talking about this. So there's where we are. It's going to be necessary for people to take a stand. There's not going to be a middle ground anymore, and you're going to have to decide whether you want to live in a third world shithole or you want to live in the United States of America. We're literally right there. Patriots, Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll, he'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless. And out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor 
will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.